The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane. With us today on the program, we have the Reverend John Davis. He's the senior pastor of Memorial Lutheran Church in Katy, Texas. He is also the first vice president of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, a top 10 denomination in the United States. Welcome to the program, John. Well, thank you very much. Great to be here with you, John. So today we wanted to talk about uh, public sin. So maybe we ought to describe what <laughs> sin might be and and get into kind of the parameters of, of why we think we should work against it. Yeah. Um, so uh, public sin is going to be that which is seen publicly, that which is uh, revealed publicly versus that which is uh, privately. Uh, and privately could be obviously something that somebody's holding within themselves, uh, we sin in our thoughts, words, and deeds, and a lot of those things are going to be private. Uh, but it might be something that only you and another person are aware of. So uh, there's there's some great instruction from Luther uh, in his large catechism that really helps us to understand how to deal with uh, those sins, uh, not just publicly. I think we like to look at uh, Luther's words in there to kind of almost give us an out that we can uh, speak to public sin in a very public uh, uh, public way with a lot of condemnation. But uh, really, Luther, when talking about things public, still really has a passion for guarding people's reputations. And, and that's actually some of what I'd like to talk about today, if that's all right with you, just uh, the emphasis on, on guarding people's reputations, because uh, we really live in a, in a culture and a world today that doesn't seem to value reputations very much, and yet God gives us a, a very different picture of that. So, Yeah, we live in a contentious time, and it seems like anybody who holds any kind of differing opinion is branded as uh, an idiot or worse, um, and, and there's just no common ground. So uh, between God's Word and maybe Luther's comments on it, maybe we can find our, our way back a little bit. Um, Shall we start with the Ten Commandments, or where would be a good starting point? Sure, I, I think that's a great point. And um, and so for us as Lutherans, we're talking about the Eighth Commandment, uh, but also talking about the Fourth Commandment. For our, our Baptist friends and uh, the Reformed that might be joining with us, uh, when I say the Eighth and the Fourth, you're thinking Ninth and Fifth. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a kind of a funny story about that. I was teaching Confirmation uh, up at Emmanuel Lutheran in Giddings, and as part of the school, and so I had a, a, a little quiz that I was giving them about uh, about what the sixth commandment was, and uh, so I was expecting to see "You shall not commit adultery," and on on the page the the person put uh, "You shall not murder," and it's like wrong commandment. Then I realized there was a poster in that classroom that had all the commandments listed, but it was. A, a Baptist reform poster in a Lutheran church. <laughs> so they got the wrong answer with it. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, from our Lutheran perspective, we're talking the eighth commandment. Uh, you shall not bear false witness. Um, 
And, and really, I think a key to understanding uh, that commandment uh, from, from Luther's perspective is to also really understand the fourth commandment uh, about honoring your uh, father and mother and, and really uh, the, the whole gift that God gives to us of authorities in our lives. So that's kind of where I think a great place for us to start would be. Well, uh, just to uh, back up a little bit, you know, the, the commandments are called the Ten Words, but they're not numbered that in the is, Bible. That's correct. And, and so Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, those are the places you could find them listed, but they're not numbered. Never are. That's correct. And, and so uh, the Jewish uh, church started with the preamble, not even uh, with what we yeah, anybody else would call uh, number one. And so that uh, that kind of throws throws everyone off as well. Right, and Luther Luther refers to the close of the commandments, which is actually the introduction to the commandments. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, we, we have all kinds of different uh, different perspectives with that. But, uh, but it is God's Word, and it definitely, uh, uh, you know, I, I like, uh, we, we, in, we have a, a newer catechism, but I love the way the, the second blue catechism described things, and it always kind of describes things in the context of gifts, when we got to the second table of the law, uh, from uh, honoring parents through coveting, always talks about uh, the, the blessing of, of gifts. So authorities are a gift. Life is a gift. Our sexuality is a gift. And I think that's a great way uh, to remember these things, that uh, the commandments are commands, but they're also there because uh, God does care about us, and these are ways in which uh, we can, uh, you know, we will care for those things that God gives to us. So... And, and one of those is a reputation. Uh, you know, the Proverbs, Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes says, A good name is better than precious ointment. Um, I don't know that we always recognize that in our Western culture as much, uh, although I think that is definitely coming our way. Um, but if you get into honor-shame cultures, which is about 80% of the world, a, a reputation is a huge thing. Uh, and not just the individual, but really the family name. And uh, they view they would view this commandment in a really high place. Um, I think we see other commandments in a, in a perhaps in a higher place in our Western world, which is more of a, a guilt-innocence culture. But... Uh, this is a huge thing. And in Jesus' day, that was also an honor-shame culture, uh, a different culture than ours ours now. So uh, I think the, the gift of a reputation really is, is a gift um, that we have to recognize. So in terms of guarding a reputation, uh, many times I don't think people think about it unless there's a lawsuit and we're forced to uh, protect someone's reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let's look at that a little bit about how far we should go to protect someone else's good reputation. Right. Luther, Luther really speaks to the idea that if you know something's going on, um, you know, that, that your, first, your first thing is to go and talk to your neighbor. Um, and if there's a sin that he needs to repent of, then, you know, speak to him, trying to win him over. Uh, to repent of that, and and that would also mean if, if there was some kind of uh, danger or other activity going on, that he would also, you know, make things right in that regard. Um, and so the the goal is to guard the reputation. Uh, Luther Luther talks gives some great instruction about slandering. 
uh, he gives a definition for slandering that uh, that says this. It says, uh, and this is in his explanation to the large catechism, uh, explanation to the eighth commandment in the large catechism. He says, those then are called slanderers who are not content with knowing a thing, but proceed to assume jurisdiction. And when they know a slight offense of another, carry it into every corner. So the idea of a slanderer is one who takes something that is private and makes it public. And uh, so when he talks about uh, public sin and, and, and how we deal with that, and he says that uh, you're not a slanderer if it's already been made public, well, that's kind of common sense. You, you can't make public something that's already public. But if it's private, it's best to keep it private. And, uh, and, and one of the ways we guard a person's reputation is to not become the judge. Uh, and that's a huge thing for Luther. Uh, guarding a, guarding a, a reputation is, is, do we see them as a brother? Do we, we uh, reach out to them, try to, uh, to get them on the, the right track uh, if there's a particular sin? Uh, but, but not to take the role of, uh, of a jurisdiction that we have not been given. And that's where uh, when gossip happens, uh, when things happen in social media, uh, I would suggest even like in our cancel culture of today that that happens so frequently is people take on the role of judge and, and uh, taking on a jurisdiction that they really don't have uh, for that person's reputation. So rather than trying to get one over on somebody else and have superiority over someone else, our motivation is to win back the person so that we may be close. Yeah, I, I think I think it's winning back, but it's also... Uh, it's also seeing people as God sees them. Uh, and so, you know, I, the scripture talks about anyone who's in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone. And so uh, a lot of this Luther is talking about is with our brothers. Um, the context for a lot of his writing, uh, a lot of what he wrote in the large catechism about reputation and the, the eighth commandment uh, was from a series of sermons that he wrote. Um, and so he puts it into this form, but he's speaking into small town Wittenberg for for any of our listeners who have lived or served, been in small towns, you know how quickly things uh, get out there. And, uh, and so that's kind of the context for, for Luther's writing this. Um, but it's, it's really an, a, an important element uh, to, recognize that, um, uh, to recognize that guarding somebody is, is seeing them as God sees them. And... And when I, when I think about reputation, I always, I always try to think about, and I ask folks when I teach confirmation, what is, what is your reputation before God? And uh, a lot of people struggle with that answer. Some will say it's really good and some not very good. And they're generally basing that on the law. And, and so then I might ask it this way, what kind of reputation do you deserve with God? And the reality is we all deserve a really bad reputation with God. Uh, you know, our sin, uh, golly, if all, of, if, all of our, if all of our thoughts and then the words we say under our breath and all the other things were known out there to the world, all of our reputations would be not very good. And God knows it all. And so we don't deserve a very good reputation with God. But through Christ, what is our reputation with God? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, our reputation with God is perfect. It's holy. 
We are heirs of, of the kingdom of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. I mean, just the, the language of Scripture about what we receive and how God views us. Uh, I love the language in Zephaniah that talks about how God sings over his people. That, that, that's such a beautiful picture, and that's, that's what we have through Jesus. And, and so when we destroy somebody's reputation, when we think we want to put out that little word about somebody else, then if you really think about it, what we're telling God is, is God, I know you really went to the greatest ends to give this person a great reputation. You sent your son and he, he suffered and died for that person to have a great reputation. But I think I know better. <laughs> you know, I, I, it doesn't matter what you did. I'm ready to, to take away that, that reputation of his. And if you think about it in that way, then we're really, when we ruin someone's reputation, and we're especially talking about within the church, when we do that, what we're really doing is we're taking the role of God. We're taking on God's role, and we're becoming judges of that person over and against God. And and so I think that's really a, a dangerous thing for us to do. And... Uh, uh, when we think about how much Jesus went through to give us the reputation we have before before his father, then I think that really should be a motivator to us to really guard people's reputations. Well, I think we all desire to be our own master. And, and Luther was talking about perhaps three agents, if you will, or agencies of God here on earth with uh, family, maybe civil magistrates, uh, and then also the spiritual realm. Uh, including pastors in that regard, as people who can positively lead and influence us. Do you want to talk any about that, John? Sure, sure yeah. Um, and and kind of that statement I was talking about where we play God is, see, we're, we're really taking the authority of God. And so when you've got two tables of the law, you've got the first table that is talking about as God is the ultimate authority. But then the second table of the law, as we get into honor your father and mother, it shows that God gives us authorities uh, in this world, that that all authorities come from him. Uh, Romans talks about that. And, and there is no authority apart from him. And so uh, to, to become the, the judge of someone in a matter of sin out into the world is to assume an authority uh, that perhaps we have not been given. And to assume an authority that we haven't been given is to actually take over God's authority. But yeah, he talks about, uh, and, and I think this is huge, Luther almost talks as much about uh, these, uh, these authorities and the fourth commandment as he does the eighth in his uh, large catechism. And for Luther, the fourth commandment uh, was kind of the, uh, the most important commandment in the second table of the law because he takes uh, authority and, and honoring of authorities even greater than love of authorities. And uh, that this idea of honoring uh, the authorities is really to honor God. The, the first and the fourth commandment are intricately uh, connected. And so where that plays out in the eighth commandment then, and with our reputations, is that uh, he makes it clear that uh, only those who have authority, either as in the, in the public civil realm, which would be our judges or, uh, or a mayor, but, but in the simplest meaning of the 
of the uh, Eighth Commandment. We're talking about courts and judges and, and that, uh, that idea. But then there is also spiritual jurisdiction uh, for those who have been given uh, authority uh, in and through the Word of God. And then he's talking about parental authority. Um, and uh, so he makes a statement in there that says, uh, here belongs particularly the detestable, shameful vice of speaking behind a person's back and slandering, slandering, taking that which is private, making it public, to which the devil spurs us on, and of which there would much be, uh, would be much to be said. And he, then he says, thus you see that it is summarily forbidden to speak any evil of our neighbor. However, he says, the civil government, preachers, father and mother accepted. See, that's the third authority, is family authority. Um, on the understanding that this commandment does not allow evil to go unpunished. And I think that's the fear that people sometimes have is, if I don't say anything, if I don't do something, then they're going to get away with it. So I've got to say something. But it's not for you to be the one to make sure whether they get away with it or not. Your goal is to guard your brother's reputation, to win him over, and and to help him to navigate through uh, that uh, those ideas of law and gospel in his own life. And if there is something that needs to be done, then it is your obligation to bring it to the proper authority. So if it was your classmate and something's going going on with him, it's don't go tell all the kids on the playground what he did. It's either talk to his parents, who's that proper authority, or to the teacher, who'd be been given proper authority. Move it away from the playground and put it into life, whether it's in the, your community or at work. The idea is to bring things to the proper authority and not to assume that authority, uh, to assume that authority yourself. So to each one of these groups, whether it's family, civil, or spiritual, the Word of God is what informs us and uh, uh, leads us in the direction that God would have us to go. Just having the title of, of parent or judge doesn't automatically fill you with God's wisdom. Correct. But, uh, we, we go back to the Word of God for, for all of that. We'll come back to John in just a second. I'd like to uh, remind our listeners that uh, there is only one ELM Houston or Evangelical Life Ministries. I'd like to invite each of you to visit our program's website, elmhouston.org. And there you can read more about us. You can find shortcuts to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. And on that site, you can also donate to support our work. All of our on-the-air hosts are volunteers, so your donations go far to help us purchase radio airtime. We strive to have a wide variety of interviews with people who are creatively sharing the good news of Jesus Christ at that intersection of where faith meets life. You may also write us at ELM Houston, P.O. Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410. All right, back to our guest, John. John, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes to wrap up. What would you like to have people um, put into practice? Yeah, I, I think I think goes back to you know how I was explaining how I explained the eighth commandment, and I think if we if we grasp our the depth of our own sin and how easily we could be exposed, um, but are not, um, and, and how uh, God has every right to judge us guilty of all of our sin and all of our failures. And um, if we think about that, and then the fact that he doesn't do that, 
but instead it's grace upon grace and uh and and the blood of Christ that that covers us that that shields us that shows something different than than the the dark underside for us all that if we really grasp that then that moves us to really guard other people's reputations um and so that is the word informing uh that's the, honestly that's the word made flesh that informs us uh certainly the written word written word does that as well but i, I think it comes from that place of, of of who god has made us to be he's also made us to be part of a community and uh you know it's really sad that that uh when you start looking at the lists of of reasons why people who don't go to church uh, people who stay away from from christ and and his community one of the top two reasons seems to always be because of conflict in the church. And I remember working with John Hirsch many years uh, in the Texas district, a, a great man, a uh, lot of wisdom, and uh, really worked with a lot of congregational care. And he told me the number one thing that he finds when congregations are in conflict is always gossip. And and so uh, we actually have in our, when people become members of our church, we actually ask them to make a promise not to gossip um, because it's just so destructive and it's so counter to the very core of our faith uh, when we talk about how God has redeemed us and and given us qualities by his spirit that we otherwise would never have. And uh, so just if people can remember that, uh, I think I think that's a huge thing. And, and then maybe to slow down, even when people, they really don't even know uh, you know, in the comments section, you're reading a news article and, man, people resort to name calling and all the other things. No, be, be salt and light into a world that shows, you know, I, I can talk with you, I can disagree with you, and maybe you have a, a view that is, it might even be a sinful view, but my goal is still to win you over, not to condemn you, not to be the judge. I'm, I'm not in that place. God hasn't given me that authority. So don't take the authority that God hasn't given to you. Uh, but the authority he has given to you is to make disciples of all nations. That's Matthew 28. And, uh, and so we do that to win our brothers over. I once heard somebody try to uh, summarize these words of, of Luther coming from Scripture, and they said to put the brakes on our uh, speaking and ask ourselves, you know, the words that we're about to speak, are they true, are they necessary, and will they hurt anyone? Yeah. And, you know that that aspect of uh, considering uh, the other person is is so very important. It's not about us getting points, right? <laughs> over over on someone, right? You know, one of the other things I was going to share earlier was uh, about Luther himself, because uh, Luther is pretty harsh in a lot of his language, and uh, some of that was a cultural element. Uh, I I would not endorse. Uh, using the same kind of language and, and harshness that, that Luther did. Um, at the same time, uh, Luther made a lot of judgments. And one of the things that's really important is that uh, because he was a doctor of theology, uh, for him, he saw that that, as, uh, that gave him the authority uh, to, speak, to speak the truth uh, against, against the papacy and, and the, uh, the abuses that were taking place at that time. Uh, that there was a, an authority behind that, that he actually had that spiritual authority. Uh, I think that's a, that's a little bit of a challenge for us in the church because we all have a certain level of authority through the scripture itself uh, to 
to be able to go through the word and uh, to, to look at that, to understand it, to speak it, and to speak it in its truth. At the same time, uh, if, we are, if we're trying to bring somebody uh, into a certain place of justice, then we have to ask, do I have that spiritual authority, or is it maybe the elder in the church, the pastor, uh, and to kind of look in things at the, uh, in that light as well. Um, but the, the two really go so much together. Um, because whether it's through reputation or whether it's through the authorities, it's really a way of honoring God as God, making sure that we, we live our lives where he's God and we're not. And that makes life a whole lot better for all of us. To our listeners, we hope you join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.